For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com. Life's busy. Take this deck. There's heaps to do on it. Like, um, polishing off this wine. That's tough. Life's pretty good with a Trex deck. Composite decking with no hard maintenance. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. Can't wait question of the day today. It's a team naming Tuesday. I know this might spin you out. We're not talking about the NRL. We're not waiting for Stacey Jones to name his side and work out whether Reese Walsh is on the interchange or whether he's playing. We've got an All Blacks team naming. And I'm asking Izzy, Kempi, yourselves, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13. Izzy, 8, 9, 10 for you. Where does it go? 8, 9 and 10 is easy. Smith and Maunga. They're going to start there at uh, 9 and 10. Oh, 8 is the tough one. Eight is a tough one. I can see them going for Akira if they want to, if they want to. Um, just to add different, I think six is going to be Barrett. I think he's going to play six. And so where whether Akira has the opportunity to play eight. So it's out of Akira or Jacobson. And I'm probably going to lean towards Jacobson. I'm going to give Jacobson the, the nod there. Just he'll be able to compliment um, Sammy Kane at the breakdown and add a bit of pressure there around the area where they've had so little success over the last couple of weeks. Um, so Jacobson at eight for me. That is where I'm leading. Kempe, is, oh. is it, are you on the same track that it's Smith and Maunga? Yeah, 100%. Locked? I think they're locked in. Yeah, I think Bodie, Bodie starts off the bench again. Uh, I tend to agree with Izzy, but I think Jacobson off the bench, I think what they'll do is probably go with Suturu in number eight because they need the size. They need... Mm. Against their back, against their back three, uh, the Australians, they need some more size. And I think, you know, we spoke about it earlier on in the year, Izzy, about Australia mm. and the way they can be really aggressive in their eight, seven, and six. And this is, a, I think, an opportunity for um, Hoskins to step up and really show that he can match it with that, that type of um, player. And, I, and and part of me says that the coaches actually want to see whether he can or not. So I think Luke Jacobson, we know can, but I think I'll start with Hoskins and they'll, if it doesn't work out, then they'll shift Jacobson straight back in. Fair shout, yeah. Hoskins is, is a good shout. I just haven't been... Um, well, they can't. You know, I just haven't seen... Yeah, like he's he's been in the squad for for a while now, and he's had some you know last year. I think it was down the short side. He did that grubber kick for someone, and he's got some amazing talent. But when the going gets tough, is he able to dig in and and, and stay there and get the job done? That's the question. And if I'm going to be this is the only, this is the test out of all the bleeds that I'm I'm nervous. I'm a little bit nervous about because I can't see Australia coming to New Zealand and, and beating the All Blacks at or at Eden Park. I can see them maybe potentially tripping them up here. We've had a great game. We haven't backed it up before. Can they put in two consistent performances? That is the question of the day, I reckon. <laughs> yeah, you know, look, it's, it's, we've, got, we've got Wednesday and Thursday to pontificate on yeah. that one, is it? We're going to talk some tennis. Yesterday we witnessed a fitting finale to what has been an entertaining year of tennis majors and one of the most incredible US Opens ever. 19-year-old Carlos Alcaraz claimed his first major title 
and convincing fashion at the US Open the day after 21-year-old Inga Swatek established herself as a dominant force in the women's game. What does this mean for the future of tennis? Well, we thought we'd get Alice Gruskin on the uh, on from the Cracked Rackets podcast to pose that very question. G'day, Alex. Ah, oh, good day, my friends. How are you doing this morning? We are doing really, really well, mate. Obviously, two young, fine tennis athletes getting the job done. What does this mean mean for the future of tennis, mate? It's in good stead. No, it's certainly exciting. It beats the alternative, in my opinion, of having the same four people win every event. I think tennis fans are finally ready for some new blood and to see two players who, in to be clear, you know, it's September 13th, 2022. On January 1st, 2030, neither Sviantec nor Alcaraz will be 30 years old. And I just think keeping that perspective <laughs> makes everything that much yeah. more fun. Hey, Alex, Alcaraz has been compared to a number of uh, athletes at the moment in tennis. Who who do you think, for me, I think he's a young Pete Sampras, but who do you think he, he emulates? I mean, not to cross over outside of tennis, because I think there are some comparisons you can make within this sport, but... It really does remind me of the transcendent athletes. You think of people like LeBron James when he broke through. I am from Detroit initially, and when his Cleveland Cavaliers beat my Mm. Pistons in 2007, it felt like, all right, (laughs) this is the guy moving forward. And with Carlos Alcaraz, it just feels like after this moment with everything he's done, becoming the youngest world number one in men's tennis history, becoming the second youngest male player to win the U.S. Open after the aforementioned. Pete Sampras I mean you watch the guy go behind the back there's never been a ball he doesn't quit on he's a testament to why when you're working out you never skip leg day the guy's a freak (laughs) athlete he's one of one you want to talk about that three straight matches that went to five sets so what an engine this guy has do you know what he does behind the scenes like you said doesn't skip leg day mate but he is probably the most fittest tennis player on 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 the tour at the moment because that final went right to the very end and he stayed true and he didn't look like he was gassing out one bit no i think he drinks whole milk instead of two (laughs) percent i have to imagine that's what he's going with it's got to be some sort of trick like that because the guy is an absolute freak i mean his hairline is manufactured to perfection and then there's all the things he does on the tennis court whether it be the forehand which he can explode into at any moment the fact that as gifted as he is as an athlete he's also extraordinarily comfortable volleying a la a pete sampras again it feels like we get 19 year old rafael nadal but with a 22 uh 2022 skill set and as tennis fans you know again i think we see the terminator Jeez, it, it sounded like you were describing Israel Dag then, Alex. Um, <laughs> <laughs> hey, just on uh, just on both um, Schwartek and and Alcaraz, you you see all these young people coming through the, uh, especially in America. The, there's a big change in the NFL with the young quarterbacks and the young players taking the limelight at the moment. Is this just the the way things are going at the moment? Where uh, the, these types of sports are going to be built for young players and, and 19 and 20 is going to be the new norm? I think it's an excellent question to pose. I think more than anything else, tennis is in a spot where we know who the flag bearers have been. On the women's side, Serena Williams has put together 
probably the greatest athletic career of my lifetime in any sport, and she's finally retiring from the game. Mm-hmm. You have Federer, Nadal, Djokovic, and while Nadal wins two slams this year, Djokovic wins one, they're still the guys to beat. They're slowing down. They're not playing as frequently, and, you know, I rave about Carlos Alcaraz. I'm glad you bring up Iga. We do a a segment on our Crack Racket shows. That's how you sneak in a free plug, boys. We do a segment on our shows talking about the greatest of all time because that's always a fun argument to have Mm -hmm. as any sports fan. And the way we do it to have fun, because the greatest of all time is a stupid discussion. We talk about who's not eliminated from the greatest of all time discussion because 99% of athletes by the time they're 21 years old, with all due respect, you know, I knew when I was 12, I wasn't going to be the greatest (laughs) tennis player of all time. I was eliminated in that moment. What's crazy to say about Iga Shviantek, 21 years old, she's not eliminated from the greatest of all time discussion. She's one of nine players to win three major titles before turning 22 years old. She won 37 consecutive matches this season. And, you know, May was the first time she was allowed to drink legally in the United States. It's just like, what is the next decade going to look like for Mm. these two superstars? I think tennis has been ready to turn that page for the past Mm. five years, just given the age of these top players. And now it seems like players are finally good enough that they are able to break through. And she's getting paid too, 2.6 million US <laughs> dollars, mate. So she's she's going to be relatively happy. She'll be buying the drinks all summer. But do you think Iga Sortek has a chance of achieving the calendar year, Grand Slam 2023? I do. And to your point, uh, just a quick plug for tennis. In 2020, mm. nine of the top 10 paid female athletes were tennis players. So if you like sports and you're a woman, I'm telling you, tennis is the sport for you. You can make a little, you know, a little dinero to enjoy the later stages of life. But yes, I mean, Iga has won a French Open. She's won a U.S. Open title now, which is the same surface they play in Australia. And when she was one of the top junior players in the world, she won the junior Wimbledon title. So she's proven she can do it on every surface. And she's got 15 years to do it, you know, when you're two two of the four slams there and you've got your 15 best years ahead of you odds would say i mean i do it's crazy to say that out loud but i do think it's possible hey alex talking about money and uh what you know you're the top nine athletes there earning the cash of tennis players do you see a, a maybe a shift in uh competitions like the um the live golf or the the epl uh where you've got well, more money being being offered up for different tournaments Well, I want to say just the all-time segue, talking about money. I was like, oh, no, where's he going to go from here? I was like, I I don't know. Um, You know, we're getting into my bank account. We're getting into yours. I'm happy to exchange numbers. Um, But, yeah, it it is interesting because, like golf, tennis is an individual sport. And the most individual or the most marketable athletes – are the athletes who typically do the best in the game. And, you know, they're the ones who are the big draws. If you have Novak Djokovic playing your event, it's going to sell out. If you have Serena, as we saw in New York, those crowds were incredible. Um, It is a very star-driven sport. At the same time, you know, there's only one world number one at any given moment. And it is the players ranked 20, 30, 40 who sort of need the structure of the ATP Tour 
to sustain themselves and their livelihood. Tennis isn't always the most lucrative. You know, you can be the 250th best tennis player in the world and you're barely breaking even. And it's, you know, it's, it's much, I, I do think there is an opportunity. That's why I say that, because if you can find a way to make the life of the 250th best, best player in the world more financially reasonable, that mm. maybe there would be an opportunity. Yeah, it'd be interesting. Watch that space, I feel, with the LOV and what's happening with the PGA and, and the drama that's going on there. But just coming back to the, to the tennis, Kyrgios, is he running out of time? Can you see him getting a job? This was his greatest opportunity to go and get a major, and he obviously fell short to the, the American, Tiafu. But, um, mate, is, uh, can you see him getting it done maybe one day, or, or well, has he got a lot of work to do? You know, not to make it about me, but let's make it about me. Um, yeah. Nick Kyrgios <laughs> is six months older than I am. He was born April 95. I was born October 95. So to hear you say he's almost done breaks my heart because I'm like, no, man, I'm 26 years old. I'm not almost done. Um, but I actually think this year perhaps was the redemption and the kick in the in the Tuchus, as we say in my culture, that he needed to sort of get his act together as he ostensibly enters what should be the prime of his career. Again, Nick turned 27 in April, and what we've seen in athletics over the past 5-10 years, regardless of sport, is that that prime is extended. And in a sport like tennis, which is very wearing on the body, but you're not taking hits, you're not suffering concussions, mm -hmm. Certainly, it feels like Nick can play his best tennis for the next five years if he'd like to. And I think why this re uh, year was so good for him is why wouldn't he like to? He proved this season he can be one of the 10 best players, five best players in the world if he wants to be. You know, again, we're only 27 years old at the end of this year. I like to think there's still a five-year window for me to hit my prime. Over the hill. Over the hill. Time to retire. <laughs> Hey Alex, what about Coco Goff? Does she does she pick up a major for her first major next year? We'll talk about over the hill. Eighteen years old. Come on, the past is you know the best is behind her. Um, no, I think next year. No, I don't think she is quite ready. Simply because I think what Iga Swiatek to go full circle does best is particularly well suited to beat Coco Goff. Coco Goff is a generational type of athlete in professional tennis and to see her already reach a grand slam final at 18 years old to see her crack the top 10 of the rankings at already 18 years old not a lot of players do that she is definitely special but there are some other special talents right now on tour as well and i just don't think her game has quite matured enough yet she might make another slam final she might win a title in doubles but i don't see the singles title coming quite yet Mm, well, she's been announced to come down under to the ASB Tennis Classic. Just like today, we've had a huge announcement. Casper Rudd confirmed as a star mm. for our event in the ASB Classic down here to start 2023. Now, if you had the checkbook, who would be the men's player you would unload on to get them to that event? Ooh, I mean... Nick Nick doesn't count because it's so close to home and like, you know, you guys can see him whenever. Um, I, I would open up the checkbook for, boy, if you can get a healthy Roger Federer in what will probably be one of his final 10 tournaments of his career. I mean, I think if you're looking at the clock with bad knees, 40 years old, respectfully, I don't know how many events Roger has left. You open up the checkbook for him. 
Alcaraz is two, Kyrgios is three, and then the wild card, Francis Tiafo would be the fourth one I would bring in. Ooh, beautiful names. Yeah, I'll tell you one thing. The mandates have been dropped here, so Novak Djokovic could be more than welcome back here down <laughs> under in New Zealand. So, <laughs> mate, it's going to be a fascinating See, tournament. No, I didn't want to go there. I was going to say Izzy 5, Djokovic 6 would be probably my go-to. <laughs> awesome, mate. Honestly, there's some, been some big names announced down here at the ASB Tennis Classic in January, and it's one of the great events I've been there. And uh, I was there last time Serena was there, and it was an awesome event to go and witness. Mate, we appreciate you coming on and sharing your thoughts on the tennis. Alice Gruskin. Uh, host of Cracked Rackets podcast. You can go have a listen to that on all your podcasts. Where can we get that one? Yeah, Alex, give us give it another plug. Oh, I appreciate it. Part of the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. You can find it Apple, Spotify, wherever people listen to their podcasts. I was going to say next time, you know, I'm happy to accept the in-studio invitation. Even if it's only for a 10-minute bit, you need me to come down to New Zealand, do my thing, just say the word, and I'm there, my friends. Oh, beautiful. We'll see you in January, mate, for the ASB classic, Tennis Classic. <laughs> Thanks very much. Good morning, guys. Cheers. Um, mate. It got me thinking there, Kempi, about your, your thoughts on, on the LOV and, and the separate competition, the money that could be involved. I guess with the ATP, it's a bit like the PGA. When you're not playing those certified events or competitions, you don't have the rankings. You don't get the points for the ATP, uh, for the world rankings. I think that's the only downside, but, mate, money talks. You've seen what it's mm. done for the LOV. It's, uh, it's crazy. Look, just have a think about it. It's like... like you know, take the glasses off. Like you know, people mm. people are traditionalists, aren't they? And they want to play in the LPGA and and stuff. And all of a sudden, live comes up. <clears throat> you think about it from a parent's point of view. And they've got this. They've got this young eight to ten year old kid that can play golf. And now they know that there's another opportunity out there. It's like the days when you could only you know you wanted to wear the black jersey. It was only the All Blacks. Mm. And all of a sudden. You know, professionalism in the NRL came about, and now kids, especially Polynesian kids down here in New Zealand, got two choices: they can play for the All Blacks, they can play NRL. And I just think that question around is it becoming a younger man's game? Is I think what we're going to see in the future is 19, 20 year olds peaking because of that ten-year-old kid being pushed towards that money. And I mm. reckon, I reckon, I wasn't joking. At twenty-seven, you're over the hill. 27, I think, is the new retirement age. Yeah, well, Kempi, I actually completely disagree because I think the flip side of that is sports technology has never been better. And you look at Tom Brady, you look at what Roger Federer was able to do, Serena Williams, we've never had athletes going this late into their career still competing. So I think you're going to get, I actually think the window is going to be bigger than ever. It's not going one way, I yeah. think it's going both ways. No, look, I just, again, so Tom Brady stood in the back of the pocket and passed the ball. He's getting, this year, especially in the NFL, you're going to see kids come out. You're going to see look at look at Joseph Suwali. All right, that's mm. the hybrid. That's Tom Brady. Tom, the Tom Brady's their time's been LeBron there, James, thirty eight. The, the LeBron James there is, There's going to be another ten LeBron Jameses. There's going to be ten more Tom Brady's, but they're going to be short, compact um, players that don't play thirty to forty. You know, twenty Ooh. years, twenty years football. I can understand them starting early, Kempi. I can understand them starting early because you're dead right. These families and the, and the way sports go, and they want them to get them started, so they're going to peak at an early age. But then I can see them going longevity. The, the 
the the data, the science, the 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 things in behind the scenes now they're totally different to back in the day when there was no scientific evidence about looking after your body, what your body needs. Yeah, LeBron James pumping a million dollars into his body off the field to recovery and things like that. It's only going to give him longevity. Um, so, yeah, I can understand what you're saying, that we're going to get a lot of these players peaking early, but I can see them going for longer and longer. I could see a tennis player going till 40, a golfer going to their 55, you know, like... And, and and there is like differences like with NFL and contact sports you're only going to be shorter because your body can't handle it let's be completely honest but when you're playing sport where you're probably not getting that high impact for body on body contact then um, I can see them just going further the scientific uh, evidence and resources out there is just crazy yeah but here you're loud and clear mm. is he the extended prime the thing of the extended prime the Kelly Slaters of the world will we see more of it and what age will they be hitting their prime as Kempe uh, pontificates double eight double three what do you think come through let us know what age do you see being the prime of a tennis player moving over the next couple of decades oh, it's a great question Kempe let's do some boxing Kempe yeah away from big Joe Parker plenty of Kiwi boxers are going to work at the moment including David Nikki. Nika and Hemi Ahuo, who are set to appear on the undercard of a world title fight in October, which will be screened, that's good, live on TV New Zealand. The first time such a high-stakes bout has been shown free-to-air in Aotearoa since David Tua versus Lennox Lawson 2000. Melbourne's Rod Laver Arena plays host to George Kombosis Jr. and undisputed world champion Devon Haney's rematch on October the 16th. Patrick McKendry is a TV New Zealand sports journalist. He's covered boxing for a long time, and he's with us now. Morning, Pat. Morning, guys. How are you? Yeah, very good, mate. How are you? How's things going? Yeah, yeah, I'm well. Uh, good news yesterday, uh, from my perspective and uh, point of view. Obviously, uh, TVNZ agreeing to uh, screen this uh, this fight on October the 16th in Melbourne, uh, live, free to air. I feel it's a big moment for boxing in New Zealand. Um, and in particular, two guys on their way up in terms of their professional careers, David Naika and Hemi Ahil, they're going to fight in front of a huge audience in New Zealand. Um, and so that's, that's going to be fantastic for their careers, I think. Yeah, so the opponents haven't been confirmed yet, uh, Paddy. Who, who are you thinking yeah. they're, going to, they're going to fight? And, and what kind of opportunity is this for both of them? Obviously, 19-0 and 0 for Hemi, David Naika starting his journey into the professional boxing round four and oh so who are you thinking big names yeah good day is he um to be honest i have not heard a whisper about their opponents i think it's mm. uh, they will be announced in in a week or so um i i hear um talk that naika's uh, opponent he, apparently not a big name however he is a big puncher uh, I, I don't know if you guys have seen much of David's uh, professional career so far. He's fought four times um, for, for, for four wins, three knockouts. However, he does occasionally um, catch a punch. Um, he does occasionally get hit and hit fairly hard. So uh, if there's one thing that he needs to, to do, in my opinion, is probably tighten up a little bit defensively. But it's um, you know th- th- this is a, a big fight for his career and he cannot afford to lose it. He, he, he want to put on a show. Um, but he has to be a wee bit careful, I think. So, yeah, by all accounts, um, some in the industry feel it's, it's a risky fight, but we'll find out soon enough when, when the opponent's announced. I'm not sure about Hemi's uh, opponent. Um, <clears throat> however, this is a, a heavyweight. I don't know if you guys have seen him fight. He's a very hard puncher. 
a tough guy. Uh, they say he's sort of a, a Mike Tyson clone, um, and he, he does he, he does hit that way. He has a similar style, so he's a, he's a very ex- exciting fighter to watch in the ring. Yeah, he's been. He, they, they regard him as the young, uh, the the little Tongan Tyson, isn't he? That's his that's his nickname, yeah. Hemi. Um, got a got a def- decent knockout punch. The, with the with the Kiwi uh, boxers going going forward, you know, you've got David uh, Nuka, who's been through them camps with Joseph Joseph Parker and stuff yeah. like that. Do you think, you know, he learnt a, a lot from Joseph Parker about yeah. being professional? Oh, hundred percent. You know, I learnt a lot from Joe, but also Tyson and 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 the, and the boxes that Tyson is in camp with. Um, I think that was a hugely important and influential part um, of a, of a learning experience for David, but also Joe as well. I think he's learnt a lot. I, I spoke to Joe on Saturday morning. And he's in great nick ahead of his fight uh, against Joe Joyce, which is coming up very soon, uh, September the 25th of New Zealand. Um, but he, he's learned a lot as well from Tyson, and just, just around things like uh, being able to stand up for yourself verbally, because the, the banter over there is fairly robust, as you can imagine, with Tyson involved. <laughs> so, yeah, look, I, I, think, um, I think David would have, would have learned a lot, and his confidence would have grown exponentially. Yeah, I, I heard the, the comments from Andy Lee when David arrived. He was pretty raw, and he was <laughs> underwhelmed, actually, when he, when he, with what he saw. But after yeah. a couple of times, and put him in the ring with one of his, his good sparers and uh, made him think differently. And I think you did right. Being around Tyson Fury, who probably has mental toughness, is probably the greatest. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the things he's able to yeah. do and, and overcome, it'll be pretty good yeah. for him going forward. But talk to me about Hemi Ahio. Like, he's 19-0, and and... Look, yep. if I'm going to be completely honest, have no re- recollection or no idea of how good he really yep. is. Like, so he's obviously got a lot of experience on his belt. Can he go forward? And if he's able to get this job done, we can see more coming from him. I think so. Look, he's he's only been fighting for ten years. Um, I, I talked to him yesterday. It was quite interesting. He's from Mangere. Um He's in his early thirties. He, he took the sport up when he was twenty-one, twenty-two. Didn't really know where to start. He, he said he, he went to David Tua's gym in Onihunga and trained there for a week and never saw the great man. Uh, he just wasn't there. So eventually one of his uncles said, come on, I know a guy that you can train with. So he, he went and trained somewhere else. But um, he, he's a very dangerous heavyweight and there's not a lot of upside for his potential opponents. You know, um, there's not a lot of... What I mean by that is there's not, probably not a lot of money um, on offer uh, for the, for the risk involved, the risk of getting knocked out or made to look a bit silly in the ring. So, um, yeah, he he's probably found it a little bit hard to get um, proper traction in his career. But I think if he impresses on on uh, October the sixteenth uh, in Melbourne, then yeah, I think he could go to a new level. I remember watching a number of those journeymen, Alex, go through. Um literally through the ropes with Shane Cameron when Shane Cameron was going on his journey and, and you're dead right. Not a, not a hell of a lot of money and a lot of downside when they get knocked out all the time, so I feel sorry for those blokes. Um, but, but talking about heavyweights, have you been, have you been watching Joe Parker's preparation uh, for Joe Joyce? How do you think that's all going? Yeah. I, look, um, you know, being in Auckland, I, I, haven't, um, I haven't seen him face-to-face, but um, I've seen a bit on social media and the stuff that he's posting. Uh, and as I said, I had a good talk to him on Saturday morning. He, he he's in great nick. He's in great nick uh, physically and mentally. He he um, is currently renting out one of Tyson Fury's 
six bedroom houses, um, and he's got his own live-in chef, uh, who he says is costing him the absolute earth. But I mean, it, it's good for him because he's eating properly, and I think mm. I think you can see the benefits in his videos and stuff. Um, he, he does look trim, and um, you know, I, I sort of said, I asked him how he was, um, you know, uh, facing up to his opponent Joe Joyce, who's undefeated, a very tough, durable guy, and he said, look, I'm not really too worried about about Joe Joyce, I'm more worried about myself and what I can do. And I think that's probably the attitude he has to take. Um, you look at Joe, Joe Parker's uh, attributes in the ring, hand speed, agility, uh, toughness to a certain extent. Um, but I think um, Joe, Joe Joyce, a big tough guy, likes to come forward. He's quite slow. And I, I think that's really the big point of difference. Joe, Joe Parker's a lot quicker. I do, I do think that he has the potential to rack up a lot of points and rounds, and maybe maybe that could be um, you know, significant at the end. Yeah, last time he fought Chisora, he bought that uppercut that was devastating, so I'm expecting another little string to his bow come when he fights next That's Sunday. Right. Not too far away, Paddy, not too far away. Hey, mate, yeah. we let you go. We appreciate your, your time with us this morning. Um, honestly, great news for David Nika and Hemi Ahio going over there and, and fighting under a, such a major undercard. Um, and Joseph Parker next Sunday taking on Joe Joyce. Hopefully the boys can get the job done. Appreciate it, mate. Thanks, man. Great to chat. I'm going to talk some Black Ferns because this, this is a big day. This is a big day when they name their 32-woman squad to take us forward to the Rugby World Cup. So far throughout the year, the Professor has started 34 different women across their tests, meaning there will be some tough phone calls made and some genuine elation for those included for the campaign. Now, this is a real privilege. She's been the host of our wonderful Run Home show alongside Beaver and also hosting our Black Friends show here on SENZ, which has a special airing tonight to have all the analysis you'll need from today's announcement. Kirsty Stanway, one of the best of the best, and someone I've got a lot of time for. Morena, Kirsty, How are you doing? Good. Morena, good morning. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to come on your show. First time you've invited me, Izzy. <laughs> First time that Louis invited you, and I said, wow, we've, we've gone that. No, you are all over it. You've gone, you are all over it, Kirsty. It's only been a year and we've only just got you on. Do you know why I haven't got you on, Kirst? Because you just don't do mornings that great, that well. So oh, we just well, we got to... <laughs> I got up early for you this morning, Izzy. I was up at 6.30 with the Sparrows. Uh, we, we appreciate it. We appreciate it, Kirst. Hey, look, honestly, today's a huge day for the Black Ferns. Oh. Um, with, with what you've seen this year in the Fire Palmer Cup, what we've seen from the Black Ferns, Wayne Smith, has a difficult yeah. task naming the 32 women's squad today. And no doubt, being in this position, they would have already had the phone call now. And it's a, it's a tough day, but there's going to be oh. some, some happy ladies out there. So how, how difficult has this been for Smithy, you reckon? Honestly, like you two know what it's like to be selected mm. in your team. I feel sick today. Like I've actually got this <laughs> sick feeling in the pit of my stomach mm. because... Yes, on one hand, you're going to have 32 ecstatic women who are so excited to play at the first World Cup at home. And on the other side, there's going to be a handful of players that aren't going to be there. And for those women, they got the call last week. 
I just feel sick to my stomach for them. You know, you know what it's like. You give absolutely everything to this jersey, and then that sport, some just can't make it, and and it is so brutal. And oh, I, I just can't imagine what it's like ringing them and just letting them know. It must be so difficult. Tough job, tough job telling people that they oh, haven't made so the team. Tough. It's a tougher job yeah. accepting that phone call, but it's the reality of professional sport. You've got 29 contracted yeah. players. That was, that was a great step forward from the, the New Zealand rugby yeah. to, to contract players. Is there anyone in that 29, because he's got a name 32, is there anyone in them 29 that miss out, do you think? Well, so here's where it gets interesting. Obviously, 32 players are named. He's used 34 players throughout this year. Um, but seven, seven players put their hands up to play in this World Cup or to say, I'm available. Mm. Only two of those players have actually been released to come and play. So we saw Tyler Nathan Wong and Teresa Fitzpatrick. Um, otherwise, we haven't seen Porsche Woodman, Stacey Flula, Kelly Brazier, um, who else was there, Sarah Hedini. We haven't seen any of these other ladies because they've had such a busy seventh calendar. They came into camp in Christchurch for a week and a half before the first O'Reilly Cup match. But he's had to judge their performances from training and from what he's seen on the seven circuit. Um, so it's difficult because do you, as athletes, the sevens women are the best athletes in the game right now, right? Mm. They're the best athletes that we've got. But if you include yeah. those six or seven women, that means six or seven of these contracted ladies who have been in the environment all year, who have been training in their hubs, they miss out. Mm. It's a it's so, a difficult I, situation, Kirst. Yeah. yeah, it's a difficult situation because they're totally two different games. You know, your body yeah. shape needs to be totally different for the fifteens games. The way that's played, you've got so much space, but you're you, you're on the when you got fifteen players on the field, you've actually got to commit defenders. Whereas in sevens, there's space so you can afford to run across field and do things totally different. So. Look, yeah. I feel like um, it's going to be tough. And, and knowing Smithy and how loyal he is to people that have fully committed to the game of 15s, I, I reckon he'll, yeah. he'll, he'll hit down that line. And w w when you think about it, you've got Portia Woodman, and we know how devastating so she is on the wing. So is she going to be? Well, I think she has to be selected. But the tricky thing is, so with Portia, she's literally competing for a spot on the wing against her wife, Renee Whitcliffe. You know, these two train together day in and day out. They live together. They literally raise a child together, and they're both competing for the same spot. Both of them, I don't think, can make it unless there's injuries. So, <laughs> honestly, it's so hard. If you're Portia... Do you put your hand up and say, yes, I want to play? Or do you say, look, I've had a good year with Sevens. I've been to the Commonwealth Games. I've been to the Sevens World Cup. Will I let my partner go this time around? I feel like these mm. conversations must be going on in the background. The two most congested positions that we've talked about all year are the Lucy. And again, mm. it's the question, do you put Sarah Hedini in there um, at seven? And then you leave out one of these other ladies. And in the midfield, you've got Stacey and Teresa both coming back from seven. That means there'd be no room for Chelsea, you know? Mm. So you'd be leaving yeah. out some players to put these sevens women in. So that's why I'm interested what you guys think. As a coach or as a selector and as people that have been there, are you picking these six or seven women that you know are phenomenal athletes and could win you a game 
and leaving out these loyal servants? What what do you do? Well, mm. you don't leave Chelsea out. I guarantee you that she can. She's a she's a must have in there. That that leads to the question. Question though, Kirst, is what do they need to take? Um, I guess to the to the field when they're playing the likes of England and France, especially that will get them a win. You know, is it yeah. is it is it a forward pack that can dominate? You know, is it somewhere where you put Portia Woodman on the wing that's got speed to burn? You know, where do you think that that key element? You know, like you've got Wayne Smith, you've got the coaching of Ted there, um, Crum and the scrums. So you've got all that part worked out, but. They know where they lost the the tour last year. Where do they need to make sure that strength is in their side to to actually have a shot at winning that World Cup? Yeah, they lost last year's end of year tour, set piece and up front. They were totally out muscled mm. up front. And when Wayne Smith came in this year, he said, "We're not going to beat England and France at their own game." And let's be honest, those two teams are coming to New Zealand as favourites. We're not favourites, even though this is our home World Cup and we've won five World Cups. Those two teams are coming in as favourites. But he made it clear. He said, we've got the best athletes in the world. And he designed this game plan, this fast-flowing, trying to run the other team off the park, just all-out attacking style. He designed this around the type of athletes he had in front of him. But also, mm. I think he designed that game plan knowing that he had seven players to come in and that they weren't going to be able to learn the intricacies of the game. So he's kept it really, really simple. Yeah, look, I know him, Smithy, and when I think about it, with his World Cup years when he's been available in 2011, he went out on a limb and he picked a, a young, uh, you know, raw myself. <laughs> he put Kahui on the wing. So he goes out, he yeah. tries different things. In 2015, he goes out, he picks Nehi Milnuskara, he picks Waisaki Naholo, and you got Ben Smith. So knowing him, you're dead right, Kirsty. He will pick athletes that bring something different. They ain't going to win the game rolling some more. They're going to have a solid set piece of scrum and line out. But where they're going to have their point of difference is their ball and play and playing with speed. So with athletes coming in, you got your Stacey Flulers. I think, Kim P, you touched on Chelsea Alley. I think it's going to be tough for Chelsea because she's been injured. She's, um, she hasn't yeah. really had too much game time. And you've got stacked quality coming back in that midfield. That is where I think they're going to have the toughest um, um, decisions to make is that, is that midfield cursed today is yeah. is the day and we and we know we can beat the Wallaroos but going forward do you think we've got a genuine chance and how much of a chance with the, the caliber we have and knowing what's coming over come later in the year when we get to the end of the the World Cup we have the right team and the right coaching team to get the job done has Wayne Smith had well, long enough I mean Yes, he's had enough, hasn't he? I don't think that him mm. being in there for an extra year or two years would make a difference. He's got the athletes. The team that he picks today will be the very best team that he has. Um, mm. Whether or not they're good enough to win this competition, as we would honestly be guessing because this yeah. this team hasn't played against England and France. You know, he's brought so many new players, so many new athletes into this environment this year, and they're playing a totally different style. The, the Aussies are ranked sixth or seventh in the world. It's no comparison to compare them to those European sides yeah. who play in the Six Nations. They've got a professional competition over there. They're literally years ahead of what New Zealand and Australia are, but they have the absolute best chance with the team that they named today and, and with this coaching group. And honestly, I know you guys have asked me for selections and, and who's going to be left out. 
it, it, you get so close to these players, as you know, and it's so hard. Mm. That's why I think I feel sick today because I know some of these women will miss yeah. out and they become like your friends and family. And I think that the seven ladies will all be in. If they want to be in, in this team, the seventh woman will be picked other than maybe Tyler Nathan Wong because she obviously picked up a concussion, missed out on the seventh World Cup. And I do think Chelsea is on the fence whether or not she makes this team. Um, she's been injured a bit this year and she's also had concussions. So if there's two omissions, I think it'll be those two. And obviously we've already seen yeah. this year that Les Alder um, didn't make it back yeah. into this team, Alice Blackwell. And and these are women that have given so much to this game and, and that's it. Mm. But but you're right, Kimsey, it's just sport at the end of the day, but they're also humans as well. So I feel for all the ones that don't make it and I'm also so excited for the ones that do. Cursed, I've been there. 2015, I missed out. I can understand their, their sadness. They'll be disappointed and yeah. they'll be thinking the worst. But then I can speak from experience. You just got to dig in. You'll come through it. And honestly, things happen for a reason. And it's that old cliche, you know, things happen for a reason. You'll be, you'll, you know, you'll be better for it. And that's what, honestly, will happen. They will be better for it. And it's obviously a, a day where, for celebration, a day for disappointment for these girls come 3 o'clock today. Look, the Blackburn Show, live, 7 tonight. What can we expect from the show this evening? Uh, Kirsty, what have oh, we got for your show tonight? It's, it's going to be blockbuster, so make sure you listen. Honestly, get behind and support these women because they deserve your support. And we're only three and a half weeks out from the start of the World Cup in New Zealand. So if you haven't, go and buy tickets already. They're so cheap. Auckland and Whangarei. Um, but tonight, we are literally going to dissect this entire team. We're going to get three or four of the ladies that have made it on. We're going to get some of the old heads, and we're going to get some of the newbies who have been selected for the first ever World Cup. Uh, plus, we've got Scotty Stevenson coming on the program as well to look um, to give us an overview of, of what Wayne Smith has done. So it's going to be a great show tonight, 7 till 8, live on SNZ, or you can get it on the app on demand. Nice kiss. Sumo! Sumo coming on the show. Beautiful, Kirsty. Oh, we appreciate your time. Are you off to Melbourne, are you? You're going for a holiday. Yeah, yeah I'm off to Melbourne. Yeah, so follow my socials. I'm going with All Black Tour this time. I'm not actually going with Sky. Um, but if you've ever wondered what it's like you know, going on an All Black Tour experience, follow my social media because um, I'm going to show you exactly what it's like. And if you've thought of going to the World Cup, if you want to go to France next year and you want to do it through one of these packages, have a look online. Allbacktours.com. Hey. Got incredible packages. Are you coming on my show and <laughs> plugging your socials? Don't you dare, Percy Stanway. Do you need a sh- Do you need a chaperone? <laughs> a security guard? Kimby's uh, available. I'll, I'll take you, Kimby. <laughs> I'm available. Oh, where was my invite? <laughs> oh, we know you're not a good tourist. <laughs> you know I go good, Kirst. Hey, Kirst, hey, you know just before it. you go, oh, just God. just get Beaver to talk about what it was like, you know, white baiting and getting a phone call. Because all those girls that miss out, they may have missed yeah. out on the selection yeah. today yeah, at three o'clock. Good. But you never know. You never know when yeah. that phone call comes through. So it'd be a good, it'd be a good uh, little story for you, for Beaver to tell tell those girls that today. Bang. Thank you, Simon. Yeah, right. Thanks, guys. Have a great rest of the show. Life's busy. Take this deck. There's heaps to do on it, like um, polishing off this wine. That's tough. Life's pretty good with a Trex deck. Composite decking with no hard maintenance. Trex, the world's number one decking brand.